The Dental Brief is brought to you by Omni Premier Marketing and the amazing guests who bring wisdom and advice that you can put to use to take your business and practices to the next level. Find us on Facebook and join the conversation. Get ready to grow because we are kicking off the next episode in three, two, one. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of The Dental Brief. I believe with us today, I'm pretty sure that Dr. Kalian has been on the program, I think this is his fourth time. He might be the, the reigning champ of guests. So Dr. Edison Clean, thank you so much for being here today. Yeah, no problem. That means yeah. that you haven't kicked me off the show yet. So that's no, good, not, I appreciate it. Not yet, and I, you know what, I think that you can probably hold this title as much as you want. I know on my office I have one that I've read cover to cover, a few that I've read what I wanted to read at that time, but you have some amazing content that you've put out there in the form of books. You've got dental operations manager, front office manager, a manual. You've got excellent book on marketing, startups. I, what haven't you written a book in dentistry about yet? <laughs> well, dental what? assisting. So yeah, that's, yep. that's my next one. So that's so, coming yeah. out soon. And yeah, maybe three to four months. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Fantastic books. You can get them on addisonclean.com. There's links. You can find them on Amazon. Well done, and thank you for contributing. So thank I, I get what I was getting to with that is a good plug and promotion for you, and people should certainly check out the books. But I think I don't know that anyone's going to be able to come up with the amount of content um, that you've generated in your career as a dentist. So thanks for that. Oh, thank you. So yeah. people can go back, check out the story, how you became a dentist. You own multiple successful practices in Lincoln, <laughs> Nebraska, correct? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah pretty much. Yeah, you know, started in dentistry 12 years ago, got into yep. one practice, built it up to seven and then sold out. And now it's been four years in August in the startup, quote unquote startup. And now we're up to four dentists, 11 operatories and doing another construction project soon. And so, yeah, it's kind of an interesting change of model up to a big practice, but I still do lots of, you know, coaching calls with dentists and talking through different weird scenarios like should I start up a practice here? Should I buy a practice there? And they're super fun stories and interesting problems. And so I love kind of working through some of those with those, you know, members and clients just to help them figure out what's the best way forward. Yeah. So I know you're by the numbers guy for sure. I think you even have a, a book that has that in the title. Am I right? Am I, am I going? Am I correct? <laughs> exactly. By the numbers. And I've, the numbers. I've, yeah. I've had somebody quit on me telling me that not everything is by the numbers. Yeah. And I said, well, I'm one less hygienist now. <laughs> well, you know, I think that there's uh, interesting enough when we talk about buying practices, right? B-U-Y, the numbers. I think there's a lot that can be said there. But I think not all practices are numbers when you're when you're talking about acquisitions. Is that a fair statement or no? Yeah. There's so much kind of, you know, well, the accountants will use the term uh, blue sky. And yeah. the blue sky is all the unmentionable or undescribable aspects around a practice that, yeah, it's not on the P&L. It's more about, you know, the location, the longstanding nature of the clientele, what sort of dentistry was the previous dentist doing, you know, even the flip between whether they're fee for service or take a lot of insurances with PPOs, those sorts of differences, which there's a lot to navigate through. And so the same practice on paper might have two wildly different values right. if you start changing some of those other variables. Yep. So here's, I think what I'd like to talk about today 
and knowing that you do a lot of consulting in the acquisition space and the startup space, I think something that I would like to talk about is how to go by the numbers and not get emotionally involved. Because I think blue skies become brighter blue and they become much bigger when somebody has some confirmation bias, or maybe they've had three or four deals on a start on a, on a acquisition build out, all of a sudden you're like, Hey, I'm going to pay more for this and stretch because of this X, Y, Z blue sky. Do you see that? Do you get that phone call? Do you answer that? Oh yeah. And part of it, sometimes we hear stories, you know, and we try to put ourselves into the stories of other people. So they, you know, you, you hear a friend that did a startup or an acquisition and they bought this type of practice. And now three or four years later, they're doing amazing. And you look and like, well, this practice, it's the same, you know, it's doing 600 in revenues. And now I'm going to take it to 1.2 million in three or four years. And it's, you know, kind of the same, maybe it's not on the corner that that guy had, but it's close to the corner. And so, yeah, even though the practice is asking more than market rate for that acquisition, maybe you say, well, like, I'm okay paying that because I know I'm going to make it up. I know I'm going to get 1.2. Right. And I think the biggest thing that when you're looking at these acquisitions and, you know, obviously there's a lot of, I'm sure your listenership who is maybe in the associate position right now and is going to make a jump to buy a practice. But if you already own a practice, it's, you're not out of the market because you might have empty chair time and there a guy down the street is selling and you're going to like absorb his practice or her practice. So, I mean, there's, you can make an acquisition at any time in your career and it could actually be a very good business move, Sure, but you can't make too many assumptions based on what like case studies of other people's success. You kind of have to go with like, you should always fall back to the average and like, you know, what is the average patient retention? What's the average distance you could move a practice without losing a significant amount of patients? You know, the average staff retention, you know, for the most part, I have yet to see more than one employee out of, I've probably, I've purchased seven practices and out of the seven practices, probably on average five to six team members per practice. We're talking close to 40 team members here. And I've had one stay with me longer than a year after an right. acquisition. Yep. And so the average is that you're going to lose all the team members, which is great because you know that on your P&L, that line item will change and it'll right. change back to market rates, whether that's up or down potentially. You know, we generally see a lot of older doctors who pay a lot for their team members, which is great. They've been very generous to their team members. But even if you match that pay rate, you're coming in as the new guy and you're asking them for all like, well, I'd. I never cleaned the bathroom when I was with Dr. Jones and now you're making me scrub toilets. And right. there's often hard feelings, no matter what, no matter if you're a great boss and everything, it's just different. And yeah. so a lot of those things can change, which is good. But I think you have to kind of reset all of your assumptions about what the price should be. And ha having good advisors in this process is huge because people that have enough pulse on your market, your pay rates and what is average in your market, it's kind of the base of what you should do. Yeah. You know, when you talk about blue sky, I, and I don't, I'm not on the accounting side or the banking side or the transition side. So I, I only know a little is what I'm getting at. Right. But one thing that I see that people don't talk or get excited enough about, at least I don't hear it on my side of things is when they can buy a practice that has a really nice piece of real estate that they can opt into buying as well. 
that's affordable, that makes sense, that's going to generate a round of Waltham. To me, that's some great blue sky that sometimes doesn't always go with the practice valuation, right? That isn't being talked about. I, I know a dentist right now that has a great, successful practice, wants to buy another one, but she only wants to buy where they can. she can buy the building to. She can't buy the building. She's not interested. And, and it makes sense, right? Otherwise, she needs to do a startup again, and she knows how painful that can be. Although it can be right for some people too. What's some blue sky like that, that sometimes people, what's a secret that people don't always look for, that the accountants, the banks, that people don't look for, but that's that's real? Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, where you're getting a steal, where you can, like those metrics of buying something where somebody hasn't put a value on it yet, or you don't have to pay for that value. You know, sometimes people, if it's street frontage, people sometimes can put a value on that, or they'll try to extract a value. But yeah, the, the purchase first right of refusal on the real estate or the ability to buy the real estate, that's a huge one. You know, just unused operatories. In my mind, that's actually a huge advantage to a, an acquisition. If they say, well, we're only, we only use four ops, but we're plumbed for seven. And, you know, we currently use that seventh one as a storage. Well, okay, five, six, and seven, that's another... $800,000 in revenue. If you brought in an associate and another hygienist, like that's, that's golden. That's mm -hmm. typically undervalued, or that's actually sometimes a detriment to the practice where they say, well, it just, it's ugly. It's unused space. The ability to, yeah, the ability to grow is just such a big one because then you, you might do an acquisition now. And then in a year or two, you buy out another retiring doctor. Sure. Um, it's tough to find those sorts of things, but you know, the, the other thing in the acquisition space is when you're doing the math and the accountants will help you through all this, but it's how much value do you assign to the supplies and dental, like small equipment, right. how much do you assign to the big equipment, chairs, sterilizers, pumps, whatever the furniture fixtures and you know, all the interior stuff, those things you get to depreciate instantly. So that right. has a better tax bank for you. So Sometimes the same price, a million dollar practice here and a million dollar practice there has significantly different values to you as the buyer um, or the seller based on their tax advantages of assigning. So sometimes, and I've, one of my buddies was buying a practice recently and it was the real estate and the practice. <clears throat> and I basically said, Hey, how about you decrease the practice of the, or decrease the price of the practice, pay more for the real estate. This dentist was moving from New York to Florida, you know, becoming a bird, a Southern bird down there. And yep. basically I said, use a 1031 tax-free exchange so that they could then go buy the real estate they want in Florida to do retirement planning, whatever. Sure. It helps you on the, it doesn't really cost you that much more, but it helps them to a significant degree. Yep. And so I said, how about you just, it's the exact same price, but for them, it makes a better deal. So. There's all those little tweaks that, uh, you know, you're, usually your advisors like accountants and lawyers will help you work through. Well, ironically, I know it seems crazy, but paying more for real estate and it actually raises the value of real estate all around you. So you're actually increasing your value. It might be artificial, but you're literally increasing the value of real estate around you. Now, mm -hmm. you can't do that on purpose, right? You can't go out and purposely inflate values to purposely bring up the price of real estate, but it, it certainly it certainly happens. Uh, Dr. Colleen, one, one thing that I see happen that always scares me is when somebody's doing a startup and the reason why they're doing a startup 
is because they had they couldn't find the practice that they wanted to buy that they had in their vision what they wanted their practice to look like and usually it's about equipment it's about look and feel it's about granite countertops right compared to like formica it's usually those types of things might be the way the outside of the office looks a lot of it is just aesthetics some of it is equipment which can easily be re replaced that's scary to you isn't it's, it oh yeah well if you're going to do a startup, you got to be absolutely dedicated to the idea of, <laughs> I want to start something new in a new place and that the numbers work out, you know, not too much competition. There could be a lot of dentists there, but if they're not dentists that kind of do the same sort of work as you want to do, yeah, then, then it's not competition to you. So yeah, you have to be, a startup is quite hard. There's like hundreds and hundreds of decisions and a lot of debt. It's kind of like taking off a plane from the runway. You know, I don't know jack squat about it. So to learn to take off a plane, it's going to be rough yeah. to get up to 40,000 feet. Right. The acquisition, on the other hand, it could be an ugly plane, but you're buying it already in the air. Now you sure. have to take a loan out for it. Just It's the same loan no matter right. what, but at least you're flying at 40,000. You already have revenues coming in. Yeah. You know, and then you can kind of learn on the fly. But a lot of those things in an acquisition can be changed. Yeah, like... The upholstery. Upholstery is super, quite easy to change. Yep. Paint is easy. Floors, carpets, you know, a ten dollars or $20,000 remodel can go a long way. Yep. But at least you're already up there flying and getting revenues. Yeah. You know, it's, that's funny. It's a funny thing to think about, right? Because I think if we were on a flight and the captain said, hey, who wants to come fly the plane for a minute? I think a lot of people would raise their <laughs> hand. But if the captain was like, who wants to land this thing or who wants to take it off? Nobody's raising yeah. their hand. I, that's a that's a, a pretty good um, analogy. So I've asked you this question before. I'm going to ask it again. You know, there's a lot of great people out there that can help Dennis out through all of these different phases of you know, buying, selling, running a practice, hiring the you know, everything, right? And there's a lot of help out there that can can really save people a lot of time, money, pain, <clears throat> stress. Mm -hmm. We can go on and on with the benefits. How do you find someone? What are some questions that you ask to find to help someone vet the right expert to work with? Yeah. I mean, I think just knowing how many previous transactions they've been a part of is huge. How many they've, you know, if it's a dentist that's done it, how many have they owned or sold or bought themselves? Basically just how much money can you save these folks and how many uh, problems can you help them avoid? I mean, that's sure. kind of the big things, you know, I've worked with Dr. Mark Costas for a number of years. The Dental Success Institute kind of has a spinoff called the Practice Launchpad. They focus on startups and acquisitions a lot. So that's a great group to be, be a part of that then <clears throat> you also get access to the mastermind. Now the mastermind is generally for more seasoned professionals that already have a practice, but right. yeah. And there's lots of other consultancies out there too, that, you know, you just want someone to hold your hand and help you answer the questions. And it's not always cheap, but sometimes getting yourself into a bad situation is more expensive. And so 100%. kind of paying, paying for help and advice is worth it every time. Yeah. Mistakes and failure are great teachers, right? But they're really, really painful. Um, <laughs> yeah. Really painful. And, and a lot of times are incredibly costly. I mean, costly. So one more time, the website is addisonkalian.com. Check it out. Check out the books. So much knowledge and wisdom that you're sharing. I appreciate you coming mm -hmm. on the, the show one more time, doctor. Yeah. Thanks, Patrick.